evening and welcome to the Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Radio. So now that we finally got the open, opening day, no matter what the team is going to be, all of that goes away for me, at least for one day. Where everyone has a clean slate. I often think of Jack Wilson, oddly enough, who never hit above 256. Then one year out of nowhere, pops 308 in an all-star season. Never does it again. You can't explain things like that. And that's the magic of baseball to me. This year is just different even beyond that. So I've brought on some great guests to help me kick off the season. And uh, first of all, you remember my good friend, Jim Stamp. He's a frequent tweeter, fan of all Pittsburgh sports. Say hello, Jim. Hey, Gary. Hey, guys. How's it going? Uh it's good to be, I got a nice little week break and now I'm back and fully rested. The arm feels good. And I think I can give you five, six innings today. Well, everybody's expected to give as many innings as possible in this setup. That's what, that's what I'm seeing. I mean, I'm not even going to lie to you guys. We're recording this thing and the pirate game is going excruciatingly long. It's opening day. Somebody on the Cubs decided to pitch Mr. Adam who I think threw a ball one every minute and a half, maybe. <laughs> so let's uh, let's continue through the list here. Uh, next up, I have my friend Douglas Smith, who I met on Facebook, and uh, he recently started a pretty cool little group about spring training and the Pirates on there. So that's how we connected. And uh, Douglas is just a cool guy. Doug, say hi. <laughs> hi. I didn't know I'm a cool guy. That's awesome. But uh, yeah, the spring training really sort of deepened my interest in baseball. So, uh, uh, and now with the rebuild of the Pirates, it's it's getting even deeper. So this will be fun. I appreciate it. All right, Doug, looking forward to talking to you a little bit. And uh, last but certainly not least, we have my friend James Littleton, who I also met on Facebook, but I, I see floating around Twitter every once in a while too. And he will talk some buckos. He loves them. And his uh, WVU Mountaineers, of course, which I can't get on board with, but since Pitt never makes the tournament, okay. Why don't you say hi, James? Hey, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. And uh, we always have some uh, seats on that uh, WVU bandwagon waiting on you guys. <laughs> I jump on it literally every year, and I do mean that. So, And they let me down every year, too, even after I claim my love for Huggy Bear. Yeah, disappointing year after year. The first year I took them to win it all, and look what happened. See? So never again, never See? again. Whoa. Everybody, you can't do it. I've so, never picked this to win it all. So here we are, you know, it's it's opening week of baseball, and I just, you know, kind of described in a, in a probably too flowery way how it makes me feel, but I really do love baseball. I think, I think it's just the, one of my favorite days of the year all the games I get to watch and just, just everything coming together from all that spring. So, so Doug, I'm going to start with you because you know, you've been very recently down in Bradenton. Yeah. So why don't you tell us a little bit about how opening day makes you feel? Well, I've been going to opening day pretty steady for at least a dozen years. Uh, but the, the one that sticks out in my memory the most is uh, at one point I was working in the Clark candy building. And we were up on the sixth floor and, you know, opening day, the weather was like 70 or 75 degrees. And it was like the whole city was having a party. It was the greatest thing in the world. So, so for me, that's sort of my, uh, you know, my favorite uh, uh, 
my favorite opening day ever, but uh, it's really funny the contrast. So we'll come from spring training because we've been going to that for seven or eight years. We'll come from spring training where everybody knows everybody's teams and where the players came from and you're having chats with strangers to opening day, which is like, it's almost like, uh, you know, people who go to church only on Christmas, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sometimes opening day is like that. They just come for the fries, you know, but, uh, but it's, uh, but it's a lot of fun. It's always a blast. Now, Jim, why don't you tell us a little bit about opening day? Have you, have you ever gone? I mean, I know you've lived elsewhere besides Pittsburgh too. So you probably attended a few. Yeah, I have uh, froze my butt off in more than a few opening days and second games of the year. Um, as a matter of fact, I remember being at the second game ever at PNC Park, and uh, that was quite the memory. I also remember sitting in an April game in Three Rivers Stadium. I don't know if it was had to be opening week and watching Mark McGuire hit a home run against the Pirates, and it snowed that day. So, um <laughs> You know, sometimes the opening day games are a little more comfortable from your seat at the house, yeah. but, but you just, I mean, it's such a, you know, flip of the coin in that regard, but uh, I just saw today, what, or was it yesterday? Derek Shelton talked about it should be a national holiday yeah. opening day. And uh, yeah, man, I agree. I just, you know, it's just one of those things where, especially after last year, especially after the COVID situation, um, if you don't appreciate it a little more now than you never will so James I mean how do you feel about opening day I I don't know how often you make it to opening day um never been to an opening day I'm really nope never been um but I mean it's my favorite time of year I mean I love I love when baseball season comes around even when we're pretty sure that this is just a building period. Um, still excited to see what what transpires. What do you think it is about that? Like, it's it's kind of a phenomenon that we're able to just let it go for that one day, isn't it? There's so many things that we just won't let go of. But when it comes to baseball, you hit opening day, and for some reason, that clean slate, you just aren't looking at things the same way you were even sometimes a couple days before. No matter how pessimistic you felt. There's something about that first game where you're just like, anything can happen. I mean, you we're know? in first place. We're in first I mean, place. Yeah. <laughs> Beyond just the very first game of the season, you know, you come out of spring, you, you the Pirates were on a, a pretty good tear down there, really. I mean, I, I'm not worried about the record, and obviously the stats don't mean anything, but we sure saw a different approach down there. How many games into the regular season can you get before you, you start to say, wait a minute, this is a theme now. This isn't just spring. This isn't just a carryover. This is, they've actually changed something here. I'm going to start with James, because I know you are probably the most skeptical of this group. Uh, skeptical? I mean, I only predicted, what, 60 wins? I mean, that's, I mean, I think that's optimistic. You can- <laughs> Nine is the uh, fifty-nine and a half is the uh, uh, is the line that Vegas is saying. It is. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's. Uh, I think forty games for me. If they're if they're doing something steadily for forty games in, that's a quarter of the season. I think that's plenty of time to set a pattern. So I mean, I'll see where they're at after forty games to maybe give a different opinion. Kind or, of reevaluate a little bit there, yeah. 
I mean, if they're at 20 and 20 after 40 games, then I might start believing a little bit more in them. But, I mean, they're going to have to show me more than one game against the Cubs in 30-some-degree yeah, weather. I guess I don't even mean, like, necessarily believing in the direction of the entire team this year as much as, let's say, you know, a, a quarter of the way through the season, Cabrian Hayes is actually still hitting the ball, like, at this pace. Yes, def- definitely that's now, the, uh, that's that. Now, is that like, whoa, okay, this is real. <laughs> I mean, what, what did he have last year? 26 games, something somewhere around there? Yep. I mean, no, I don't think anybody expects him to hit 376. I, I, don't, I don't think that's realistic. But, I mean, yeah, 40 games, if he's hitting 300, he's got six, seven, eight homers. I mean, he's going to hit a lot of doubles. We know that. And he's going to field. So, yeah, I think after 40 games, if he's hitting somewhere like that, even if he's down like the 270, 280 range, I think that's yeah. what everybody realistically thinks he's going to hit on a, in a normal season. I mean, I don't think anybody thinks 376 or even 230, 240. I think somewhere 280 to 300 range is entirely realistic, and I'd like to see it for 40 games. So, Doug, you, you say like, your main interest came from spring training. So you've, you've watched a lot of those games as well. Yeah. I, How, I, at what point do you feel it's carried over enough to believe it? Well, you know, what's really funny is this first game is almost, it, it's fulfilling all of the thoughts that a lot of people, a lot of commentators have had. So the beginning pitching is sort of iffy, you know, the, the relievers are pretty good. Our hitting is pretty consistent. Polanco was Polanco. I mean, a lot of stuff is sort of playing out just in this first game. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Um, but it's only a game. So um, what I liked about spring training uh, in prior years, uh, there's a bunch of batting cages right next to the tiki deck. Uh, and there's not hardly ever people in there. This year, they were full the whole time. Like during the games, you know, every every row, yeah. there's like 10 rows. So um, there was a lot of work going on down there. So, uh, I really liked, I really seen that. And, and I think that's sort of coming across. There's a lot of more workmanship to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I can get that. I can get dig that. I think that's, that's probably a workmanlike attitude is what I think I saw too. Jim, how about you? I know, you know, you can, you could probably answer this for just about any sport, but in baseball, something feels a little different. Like when, when do you feel is the believe it? point i think you for me it's a little longer i i you know with the weather the way it is in april games um typically that's going to favor the pitching and whatnot and the hitting needs to you know get caught up and then uh just arms getting stretched out properly and so i i'm more of a get me into june and let's see where we're at with things i think that's a pretty good barometer um, yeah. And, you know, this year it's not going to be measuring anything about wins and losses. I just want to see some of the things that they've talked about stressing here in spring training, which is, you know, playing smarter baseball, fundamental baseball, uh, a little bit more, I hesitate to use this word small ball, but not trying to, you know, not trying to put the ball over the fence. I think once we get into that part of the part of the season, then I think I can settle in and say, okay, well, this looks like the team they're going to have for the remainder of the year. And yeah. that's really where I'm at. It's so tough to say, I'm, you know, you sometimes you're watching and some, some, something just switches 
you know, you almost can't describe it, but you, you get this feeling like, yeah, that's what kind of season he's going to have this year, you know? And, and I, I guess like I'm trying to put a pin in something that is purposefully loose and moves around, you know, it's not something we're going to be able to pin down as far as a, as a timeline for when you believe. And you look at Hayes and I just wanted to say and add this, you know, he, he's, he's been so impressive, but I think everybody just needs to just remember that the league is going to punch back. You know, these pitchers are going to make adjustments on him and there's probably going to be some ups and downs with him. Um, you know, the, the, the path is rarely straight up, even for good hitters. Um, so yeah. he's going to have to make a little bit of adjustment here. And, um, but no doubt um, he's been spectacular so far. I just, I just want to caution everybody to just, man, just if it, it, there could be a, a rough patch in there. And I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even be surprised if it happens sometime here in the first half. Yeah, I mean, I think that's something a lot of us haven't thought of either. We we kind of think of, oh, this guy's arrived. He's going to be this all the time. But, you know, we forget Bob Bob Gibson probably had a blow-up game every once in a while too, didn't he, you know? Sure. So Baltimore every third game in spring training, though, you know what I mean? So that <laughs> – That's <laughs> true. That's true. And the Tigers a decent amount. So, yeah. Yeah. That said, you know uh, – I think it was still a pretty positive spring. Uh, nice way to end that. And and rolling right into opening day, I think, you know, if they can continue some of the principles they started laying down in spring training, I think I'd be pretty happy with, with how we take it away. But uh, opening day, it's a different feeling this year. It really is for so many other reasons too. So just excited to have the game back, you know. <laughs> be spaced out too that that's uh, something that felt weird about spring training because spring training is all about just conversations with strangers who are sitting right next to you but we, yeah right we didn't have any this year and i suspect opening day might might be the same you know it'll, uh, it'll yeah i was thinking about that because you know i have tickets for uh opening weekend I, I decided not to try to invade opening day but um opening weekend i'm gonna go and yeah, I was thinking about that a little bit. You know, a lot of the fun is, is kind of talking to your neighbors that you're sitting with. And, you know, I, I wonder how that interaction is going to be. I haven't made it to any other games, you know, since they started allowing people back in the seats. So I don't really have anything to relate it to. You know, <laughs> it's going to be interesting for sure. I'm taking my son, so at least I'll have somebody to talk to. So short lines at the food court. So that's good. We'll probably be cold too. We might huddle. <laughs> High-fiving strangers for me is the is the most fun thing to do at a ballpark. Yeah. And being spaced out takes away that. But for me, it's me and my wife going to the ballpark, watching 9, 10, 11 innings, however many it goes, and just having a good time. But my favorite thing is just home runs hit, just turning around, high-fiving strangers. and Yeah. Because we're all on the same team. Yeah. yeah. And for that one moment, nobody cares who owns the team either. You know, like when you're there, you just – somebody hits a home run and it's just over. <laughs> well, you know, opening day, you just get to be like a kid again with baseball too, right? I mean, Yeah, right. It's like going – I don't know if any of you guys have ever been to Cooperstown. I've been there twice. Every time I go, I, I, I turn into a kid again. And um, to me, that's what opening day is. You just – 
like Gary said, you're you, you're not worried about who owns the team, and the Pirates aren't ten games under five hundred yet. Yeah. <laughs> and so you just you just get to enjoy what what is kind of awesome and timeless about baseball, rather than all the other stuff that eventually is going to come into play. And uh, but yeah, for that one day, we all we all get a reprieve from it. So I think with that, we're going to go ahead and take a break and move on to another topic that's pretty close to opening day and related to spring training. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, next topic we're going to discuss is what are we disappointed about from spring training to the to the opening of the season? Did we miss anybody? Is there somebody they should have brought up that they decided not to? Who do you got? I had Clay Holmes until I found out today that they let him on the club. So, yeah. <laughs> so Jim, I'll start with you this time. You know... This was this was a year where I think a lot of this stuff really did just sort itself out in the spring training. Um, they had a little more talent in spring training. Um, there was some competition at some positions. That's a good sign, right? I mean, this year compared to last year, it felt like we were kind of dragging some guys into into uh, opening day that had they had any better options, they might not have. And, and I, don't, I don't see that this year when I look at who they ended up bringing. The, the only person is, and, uh, you know, we just joked about it, uh, but it was probably Todd Frazier. I don't see anybody else that I'm looking at that things didn't just kind of sort themselves out on their own. Uh, I mean, I think the Todd Frazier thing, I think it was mostly the shock value in, at, at the beginning, you know, because he was a name. You know, and he hit a few home runs, and I mean, I I know at least two of them were on TV. That probably matters. You know what I mean? Right. So, Todd Frazier hits a couple home runs in spring training, and he's a name, and we're all excited. I get that, and I I was initially kind of hit by it too. And I, you know, then I sat down and I really thought about it, and yeah, Phil Philip Evans makes more sense just from the positions he can play and whatnot. So I guess I'll, I'll let the, that one go pretty quick. But And I'll be the first to admit, I did not know that Philip Evans had some experience at first base. Um, I, I, I think it's very limited actual gameplay, but it sounds like they're, they're, they're comfortable with putting him over there. And, He's uh, probably better there than any other position. Yeah. Maybe so, third base. So once I heard that, because my initial concern was, well, whoa, you know, you, or what is this going to do as far as with Moran at first and as far as uh, maybe not a platoon situation, but whatever you want to say, Moran needs off days. And uh, but yeah, so as soon as I came around with Philip Evans and knowing that he can play that position, Todd Frazier would have been nice to keep around. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. All right, let's give everybody a chance to kind of name one guy. And if we missed anybody, we'll circle back. James, how about you, brother? Um, I was, I was all about Todd Frazier making the team, um, but at the expense of what? 
I mean, the, Joshua Evans going down. Not. I mean, I'd rather him be up. Uh, a, one less pitcher. I mean, we're going to need all the pitching we can get. Clearly. Uh, yes. I mean, <laughs> spe- I mean, to be honest, we're not going to see pirate pitchers, starters, go more than five, six, maybe a seven-inning occasional start. So we're going to need the pitching. Um, but I asked – my friend at work, who's a big Pirates fan, I was like, um, who do you think should have made the team that didn't? And he said, some major league talent in the outfield. So, and I mean, I mean, are we convinced? I mean, Reynolds, I'm convinced of. I mean, I've talked to you about that. I think he's going to be 300 again. He's done it everywhere. He had a weird season last year. Everybody did. It was just a weird season. But I'm not convinced about Polanco. I mean – Alford, I mean, they're going to have to show me, but I mean, we got what we got. I mean, Goodwin is the only veteran option there was, really. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. And, and, and I think he proved himself to not be worthy like I, this spring. 100% great. So, so, I mean, so I let's mean, jump I, over to Doug and give him a shot here. Who do you got? Yeah. I, um, I don't know why I decided to like Cody Ponce last year, but he just had that sort of, you know, long reliever solidity. Like he just walked up to the mound and started throwing and he did really well last year. And uh, so he's on the 10 day IL, uh, but I'm not sure he would have, you know, he wasn't going to make starting day if he wasn't on the IL. So. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll never know now. That's yeah. the thing. <laughs> and the other one, just from a stand, standpoint of disappointment is uh, Edgar Santana. Cause there's been so much time invested in mm-hmm. him. He has such potential, you know what I mean? But then, you know, Tommy John and then banned substance. And, you know, now he's sort of iffy with his, you know, new, new mechanics. So, uh, so we'll see. He, he may come back later in the year. I don't know what he, I thought he performed. Okay. I think with him, it was more about control. Yeah. I mean, they didn't have to do anything. So I just think he needs more time, but, uh, but I was disappointed we couldn't use him from the get go because he's so strong, you know, or was so strong. I think when you look at, I'm looking here at the roster. Somebody that didn't really impress me was uh, Trevor Cahill. Um, uh, you know, I'm not sure he was supposed to impress you, to be honest. <laughs> I think he's yeah. supposed to eat innings and do it as quietly as possible. And that's like, you know, your mom feeding you peas and shoving them under the mashed potatoes. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, he's somebody that I look at and think I get the vibe of, brought in solely to just like you said eat some innings and and uh you know fill a gap until there's somebody more capable to come along but i did not see a ton in his limited spring training that that got me excited or 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 made me feel like uh it might not be a little bit of an adventure when he gets the ball at times uh it'll definitely be an adventure and it'll be an adventure in one of three ways (laughs) he'll either strike out the side you know or he'll blow up or he'll kind of just get through it but he's going to throw the exact same pitches no matter what which one of those outcomes is going to happen and that's the one thing you do like about a Cahill is that you're going to get what you're going to get and guys are either going to put swings on it or they aren't and there's something to be said for that kind of consistency although Yes, I think they could have signed somebody better than Cahill. <laughs> you get what I mean? Yeah, 
the, what do you, who do you think made the team out of spring training as far as, you know, Steven Brawl, that, you know, that changed some things. I'm just curious, Gary, what do you think? Who do you think made the team because of that? Well, right now I'd have to say Will Crow. I, I think Will Crow probably would have started in AAA if Brault was healthy. It's really hard for me to tell because uh, even what Doug was saying earlier about Cody Ponce, I don't know. Was Cody going to make the team? I have no idea if he was going to make the team or over Will Crow or Stephen Brault or any, you know, I have no idea what they were going to do there. And um, without knowing that, it's impossible. In the reliever area, though, I would say Jeff Hartley somebody that I think would have been a good addition to this bullpen. Um, I mean, I didn't realize that Derek Shelton felt that he needed to debut every single one of his bullpen arms in one game, but he apparently is. So, I mean, fortunately we're getting to see them all go. There's been a lot of people that have complained about Michael Feliz making it. I mean, anybody see anything from him in spring that would make you feel like he wasn't worth keeping around? I didn't. No, that surprises me if that's, if that's some of the, the chatter out there um you know he's not going to blow you away but he's not going to embarrass himself out there either um that kind of sounds like a great summary for the team's mantra this year (laughs) they're not going to blow you away but they aren't going to embarrass you out there either right (laughs) so maybe you know i don't know if i don't know if i'd put that in their uh their commercials for tickets but yeah that's probably pretty you don't think wiz khalifa could put that to music and turn that into a hit (laughs) Come on well, now. Wiz can. Wiz can do whatever he wants. They're not going to be wearing those t-shirts during batting practice. Right. We're not going to blow you away, but we're not going to embarrass you. Well, it would have to be front and back. The first would just say, we're not going to blow you away. And then when you're walking past them, the back says, we're not going to embarrass you out there. I love it. I love the idea. Somebody... <laughs> You got to have a mantra. And we were stupid enough to accept that Z years ago. Uh, I still have a sticker in my desk with the Zoltan Z. I still don't understand it. And by sticker, he means tattoo, just to let you know. Oh, yeah. Well, he was down there with all those spring breakers at spring break. Right. Yeah, things things get crazy down there. Well, you know where that tattoo is also. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I, but I think all in all, they made some pretty good decisions. Um, I really do. I, I, I didn't see any uh, rushes to judgment to keep like a veteran on the team. Like, I don't feel like they uh, made any decisions that um, oh, we're, we're paying this guy. So we got to keep him around. Like, I feel like that that's something that we would have definitely done in the past. Uh, I don't think they'd be paying a million dollars to a veteran outfielder that decided he wanted to go to, to minor leagues and, and play. You know, I think they would have tried to cut the guy or, you know, forced him onto the major league club. And the Pirates have several of those right now with Defoe and Goodwin. And, you know, I'm sure they would have taken Walters if he didn't want out. Frazier's down there now. So, I mean, that that to me is – it's kind of encouraging to see them want to pay for um, a little bit of protection, if you will, a little bit of a back, you know, to, to make sure that they can survive these injury things that they keep going through? Well, you and I were talking about this a little bit before, Gary, but I was asking you and Craig, you know, what what is the actual cost of the competition that they created this year in spring training? And it wasn't a lot. Like, they did a lot of really inexpensive pickups, but here and there they paid, you know, a million for somebody and, and uh, 
you know, it still provides a lot of backup for very little cost. So yeah, in that sense, they, they really, they did a lot to build the club they have today on, on almost nothing. So that's pretty good. Yeah. And as long as they're smart about how they deploy them, you know, you know, cause their, their depth, their only depth, if you're smart about it, you know, if you have like a, an injury, say uh, Adam Frazier sprains his wrist and he's going to be out for a week or two weeks or something like that. You got to call somebody up to help. You don't call up Defo because you can't send Defo back down. So you have to call up Tucker or Rodolfo Castro. Yep. They come up for a week. And then when Frazier's better, they go back down. Now, if Frazier breaks his arm, okay, Defo time. Cause he's going to come in for the rest of the season. You're not going to send him back down. You know what I mean? So it's a it's a cool kind of depth to have because you have options. We'll see how they play it. I'm not really sure if it's going to work out as they think it's going to. You know, I think but, we were talking about when is when is the point in the season when you feel good or bad or whatever it might be. Um, it, I think you'll you'll start to see decisions that are very development oriented probably in the second half, whether the team is good or not. You know, you'll you'll see very specific decisions that are like, okay, we're investing in 2022 now and. You know, I, uh, I'm curious to see what when that happens. I mean, it, with, with the way the 40-man is, I'm curious to see how they truly pull off more trades for prospects. Yeah, They have to be very careful about what the types of prospects they bring in. Yeah. They, if they bring in really, really young guys, okay. okay. Because you can tuck those in your system. You don't have to worry about the 40-man or the roll five for quite some time. Now, you bring in some more 40-man guys – your system's going to get better. It sure is. But you're going to have to jet some people off of your 40, man. Yeah. And don't forget I, they have a whole crop of people coming up next year that they have to put on their 40, man, to protect them from roll five. Some people like Braden Ogle, left-handed reliever, that they went ahead and put on display in spring training multiple times, throwing 90-plus. You know, <laughs> That's dangerous kind of stuff right there. So – the 40 man is going to be a concern for any of those developmental moves you're talking about later in the season. That's, that's and I something think just, I actually wonder if they're going to kind of pump the brakes a little bit. It, just even the stuff we're talking about tells you they're in a little better shape, right? I mean, um, these are better problems to have than what they had here in the last couple of years, which is can, do, can, can we even fill out the minor league organization with enough guys uh, do we have enough to field a major league roster and feel like it's, you know, a major league roster? So just, just certainly things, something to be said for that. Yeah. Yeah. Just the things we're talking about lets you know that in, in a short amount of time, uh, you know, Sherrington has done, I think, everything he can do, um, you know, with things being a little limited to be able to have these conversations because we couldn't even do this, you know, I, two years ago. I'm really amazed at how quickly he's turned around the farm system. I mean, I knew it would happen, but to do it so quickly, to move from what I've seen low teens up to into the top 10, I mean, the draft is going to bring more for that. I mean, like, I know I'm pessimistic about the current season, but I really don't care about the current season because I know it's part of a plan and and I can live with that. I can. That's, live with really, that. that's really it. it. It really comes down to whether you are in a place where you can deal with one more plan or you're in a place where you've seen one plan too many. But did we really see plans in the past? 
Yes, I, I mean, agree. You know, I agree with you. I think this one's the right way to go. This is yeah. this is what mere, many of us have been crying for for years. Yeah, the mere mention of plan sends some people off the deep end. Specifically, um, five-year plan. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So it can be seen as a bad word. I think you have to dig a little deeper and and look at the differences this time around, um, whether they're major or subtle, directionally how they're going to do it. Um, but yeah, it's, can you tolerate another one? Yeah. Um, and he's, he's super careful to make sure that you only know so much about the plan, you know, right. you, you get the broad strokes of what he's, what he's doing. I know people don't like the word plan, but my least favorite word that they I've heard a lot of is rebuild. This is a build. I mean, this is <laughs> ground floor. up. Somebody's been listening to day on. So <laughs> he says too. I, yeah, I'm so happy to have a build with with a what I consider to be a a really good GM. I I know there will be a come a time where ownership will come into question. I I won't use Voldemort's name, but <laughs> I mean it's it's I mean there will come a time where he'll have to pony up, but that's not now, and it's and that's fine. I mean we're building, and I I have confidence that. Uh, ben didn't come here unless he had certain uh, yeah insurances that when the time comes I'll pony up and so I'm I'm happy with where the team's at right now this I mean I don't care 50 wins 60 wins 70 wins this year it's going to get better I was looking at uh, contracts because I was trying to figure out uh, a site that Gary had showed me and I was looking at some of AJ Burnett's contracts and I'm like oh there was spending somewhere along the way like yes they were yeah, it was uh, it was a little surprising to me actually. Yes, they were. Who's at eighty million? People forget that. People forget that they went out and got Russell Martin. And the problem is, it probably the window could have stayed open, and they and they didn't keep it open. In other words, all anybody needed was him to come over and shove a stick in there to, to prop it open, and everything's cool. Instead, he just let it smash. That's all. Plan. It's not necessarily that he jettisoned people out of here on purpose. And like a lot of those decisions were right. This is a discussion for another <laughs> show, but, but Neil Walker was done. I'm sorry. It was time. They got yeah. terrible return for him. That And, and that kind of is the gist of most decisions that were made. Maybe the right thing to do, terrible execution. I mean, that, that was the story of the last regime to me. And, and I, uh, I look at this, this next three to five years as, look, we're going to get an answer one way or the other, right? I mean, I look at it as either this build, rebuild, whatever you want to call it, um, it comes together. Uh, the Pirates are competing at least for the division and maybe a little bit more. And uh, we'll find out by then if nothing was serious, you know, and uh, I'm willing to suspend a little bit of my, I'm not going to, I'm not going to look at nutting as critically this time as I was in the past. I'm just going to wait and see. I'm going to wait and see what Sherrington does. And I'm going to give that opportunity a chance to arise. And I think we'll find out that. Agreed. I'll tell you what, guys, I think let's take a break on that. I mean, it was a really good, interesting conversation. Actually, kind of went sideways and kind of made me rethink our third topic today. So let's take a, a quick break here.
back. Um, last topic I had on the agenda today, I wanted to get into some, some underrated possibilities. Um, Dayon brought up on his uh, podcast last week an interesting thought about the Pirates potentially even thinking about extending Adam Frazier. You know, maybe we've been wrong all this time about him being trade bait and maybe an extension is actually something that they would think of, even if it was just a couple of years, you know, maybe instead of trading him might be better to hold on to him. Well, that got me thinking about another potential player like that, that we've considered to be on the block most likely Colin Moran. I think we're probably a lot further away as a system from having a first baseman than we are almost anything else. What do you guys think about the option of either Frazier or Moran? Or is that something that you'd be open to as kind of part of the bridge that gets you there? Doug, let's go ahead and start with you. Yeah, I, you know, um, Frazier is, because uh, I listen to DK all the time too, and keeping Frazier is a, I think it's a good idea. I mean, for the things the team needs now, uh, you know, consistent, you know, defense, you know, pretty consistent hitting, uh, you know, a good attitude and all that sort of stuff. I think he's got all those things. Um, it's so crowded in the center of the infield though, uh, you know, and, and we have people coming along. So extending him too far doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. So I'm not going to argue with you, but I can, I can just tell there's going to be people screaming at their car radios and, and, he, and earbuds that, that we're suggesting that Nick Gonzalez won't be ready next year because Fangraph says 2022, Gary. So <laughs> what, do you th- what do you think, seriously? Is it worth extending somebody that you feel your organization is ready to replace, or do you need that kind of depth on your bench at some point? You know, we keep talking about first base and Colin Moran and all that sort of stuff, but like a Phil Evans and Adam Frazier, if, if everybody in the world can be moved to first base eventually, there are some people with pretty good gloves that can be moved to first base and, and maybe be as effective as, as Colin Moran. So um, I, I don't, uh, there's just not a lot that's special about Colin for me. Uh, he's, he's serving a purpose right now. I understand there's not a lot of depth, um, but I don't know. Extensions are expensive and they, they have so much room in their payroll right now. I don't, I don't think they want to commit to stuff that's so-so. You know what I mean? They're looking for generational talents that they can save money on. So as far as the business side of it, there's not a lot of reason to extend. You know what I mean? Okay. Jim, what do you think? I wish we were a little bit further down the road in this build because yeah. then it'd be an easier conversation, I think, to have about Moran. Um, Gary, I know you're, I know you, you're high. I think you're higher on Moran than, than, than me, uh, which might not be hard. Uh, I'm not a Colin Moran guy, but I would maybe consider it just simply because I don't think they've got anybody over there that they can expect to kind of fill that spot. What do you think it would take to sign him? What's he? He's probably what two, three million this year. He's making. He is making two point eight. Okay, so 
I'm just going to throw it out there. What type of numbers do you think it would even take to get him signed? And yeah, it depends if you let him go through a 30 home run season, you know, totally. Yeah. If those two things happen, like, yeah, maybe yeah, you're going to have to think about it then. I mean, that kind of power production, this, this system just doesn't have not for a while. Anyway, he's, he's consistent too. And that, that has value. He's consistent and he's gotten consistently slower, believe it or not, every single year. And, I, I mean, he really has. I, I honestly feel like he's less fleet of foot than he was a couple of years ago. I do. That's that's impossible, but I think you're right. It's, I mean, it's bad. I mean, yeah. <laughs> if, if you put in front of him a contract for three years, 15 to 18 total, does he turn it down? I bet he might turn it down, but I bet that's what I I would offer if I was in the room. <laughs> I, I mean, that's, if you can get somebody like that reasonably, people will pay for power. So it's not a terrible idea to extend him through the last year of his arbitration because you'd be giving him a, a little bit of a raise. Grab a couple years of his free agency. I don't think he's a, the type of guy that thinks he's going to get $30 million on the open market. But you might if he, lock if he down that position and have a decent backup there for a while. Yeah, two or you three know, years. That's the same reason that, like, I know Stallings is going to be like 35 by the time he's out of his rookie control. So, I mean, that's going to happen regardless. But if he was like, say, 25 right now, I'd want to extend him a little bit because even though I don't think he's like Riamolto good, I think he's real good and a really, really good player to be a backup when you get to that next catcher that you think is that star. I think he's somebody you want to keep around, but he's already to that age where it's going to happen anyway. <laughs> you know, Moran's not. You could probably buy a couple early years of free agency off, off of him and keep that position kind of on lockdown. This is a huge year for him. I mean, right? Yeah. You got to figure either way it's a big year for him. Yeah. Right. I mean, we're going to find out about him one way or the other. I think, uh, Moving him to first was a good idea. And I think he'll do fine over there. I don't think he's going to win any gold gloves, but, you know, I think he's he would he showed enough as a third baseman to make the transition to first and be and be adequate, if not a slightly above average. So um, I, I I'm looking at what does he give you in a 500 at bat season and how does he handle being the consistent middle of that lineup guy, how's he going to hit with runners in scoring position? We're going to find out a lot about him. Is he just going to walk three times every game? <laughs> I mean, how's it going to work out for the guy? Um, no, I mean, I bring up Colin Moran and players like him, Adam Frazier, for one simple reason, because if this team is going to continue on the same philosophy that they have employed thus far, Colin Moran and Adam Frazier will be down to those years where it's time. So this is a decision year, really. And Adam and Frazier could go whenever. I mean, if that's what they want to do, if they really want to trade him instead. But if they get past this year, it's decision time. And that's scary to think about jettisoning Colin Moran right now when you just don't have anything. Do you trust Phil Evans that much? I don't. You know, I like him, but... I don't know that I'd be calling him a starter. <laughs> you know? When you when you sent out this question, it really made me go through the whole roster, and I'm like, well, who 
who is the type of person that we would even think about giving an extension to? And there was almost nobody. So that made me realize like, there's going to be some more trading going on. So, you know, maybe Miranda's gone, maybe Frazier's gone because they still got a lot of restocking to do in the, in the minor leagues. You know what I mean? So if they I, do, it's got, like I said, it's got to be really young. Yeah. Yeah. But I, again, I, I think the other thing you have to think about too, in your team building, get to this point where you bring in this glut of prospects, right? So they brought in this giant glut of prospects with these three big trades this, this spring here, a whole bunch of them. And if you look at like uh, the Altoona curves projected roster, once it comes out, that, that I think is going to solidify where I think the next talent wave really lives. Okay. So the Altoona curve and the grasshoppers are going to be pretty good too, but the Altoona curve are going to be the next recognizable ones. You're going to put them together. When you see them all there, that's what they'd be trading for. People right there and right below. You almost need to put a little bit of separation in there before you start trading for more Mm -hmm. or else you're going to run into the same problem that we just had, which was everybody coming arbitration eligible all together. You have to stagger that through the system. So if you want to pull off the Tampa Bay Rays system, which is what I think Ben wants to do a version of at least, then you have to be prepared to jettison talent and bring new talent in. It's a rowing effect. You have to do the forward to do the backward, right? But you're saying the Frasers and the Morans are going to get us to when those folks are coming up. Yes, and then you would jettison them for more talent later on. It's scary to, to, to really like worry about things like that, but believe me, that's the map they have to build on the back end to get the farm system where it needs to be. There's a ton of talent right now. You can look at it and see it's not all going to line up. So something's got to be here when it starts to arrive. When, when you brought up the topic of extensions to me in the uh, text that you sent me, I wrote down just a few names because I'm not like Douglas. I don't have nobody, but I only wrote down, a, I only wrote down a couple names um adam frazier because i mean i just love the way he plays the game yeah no i mean Andy, andy's consistent i mean what's he gonna hit 275 10 13 homers i'm gonna uh, be honest with you james the ball. i've never heard the word consistent and adam frazier put together in a sentence before well I mean, before last year if you look at his two years before that they were mm-hmm. almost identical and i mean i think last year was weird for everybody so i can give a pass on that See, I think I think you're saying his overall numbers wind up consistently. When I'm watching it, though, I feel I, like I, I'm on the racer. I'm I up and totally down and up and down. But at the end of the year, it's going to be about 275, 10 to 13 hours. It might get there weirdly. I mean, he's going to go the, a month or two without getting a lot of hits. But then he's going to go a month or two where he's going to be just raking. And and I'm, I'm I would like for it to be a more consistent. But at the end of the year you pretty much can see what you're going to get over the year. See, um, that's why no? I, that's why I like Colin Moran better than Josh Bell. Exact same reason because Josh Bell's highs are higher. Yes. But his lows are very low. I'm Adam Frazier is I'm the not same low way. On Colin. I'm not I mean, saying I, you I, are. I'm saying that's why I was okay with Colin Moran kind of supplanting Bell and not feeling like it was going to be a huge, Drop I, off there. I was okay with it because Bell was going to go anyway. 
So yeah. I mean, why, why, why wait? Uh, Boris, I'm just a firm believer. Boris that, wasn't going to let him resign in Pittsburgh. So I'm just a firm believer that you, your best player on your team in the middle of your lineup, cannot also be your most inconsistent player. Agreed. If if you're like Starling Marte was that player. I love the guy and he put up great numbers and everything, but he was inconsistent. He would go through those week long droughts where he just couldn't make contact with anything. And it killed every rally right in the middle of the lineup. And just when they get frustrated and finally drop him to five or something, he'd start hitting again, you know, start, well, it, but he was our best player. And that was how inconsistent he was. That's what I, made Kutch I, so great. Yeah, he, I only had two other possibilities that I even wrote down, and one of them was Chad Cool, which to me, I mean, you want a vet. I mean, he's not going to be your number one, but he'd be a solid five when we get all the talent. And then the only other person I wrote down was was Reynolds. I mean, yeah, that's who I. I, yeah. I love I love Brian, and I mean, I'm I might be higher than some, but he's hit 300 everywhere. I mean. It's just to me, it's going to it's going to be there. I got um, you there. I can so see that, those. Those were my only possibilities because I'm not convinced with Newman. I mean, you. I mean, we've talked about his hard hit rate and his. I mean, they're just bottom ten percentile both both seasons. So, I mean, he might improve, but I'm not convinced yet. Well, he's spring training, Lou Gehrig. So, well, I uh, think I think they only gave rings out for that. You look at Newman, you look at Frazier, and to me, they would they'd be such good pieces on better better teams. You know, if this was a team that was um, ready to contend, and you just needed some what do you want to call guys that can give you some professional at bats, a little bit of versatility with a Frazier, um, things like that. Man, they would be such good pieces. Uh, we're just not there yet. I'll be the first to admit, I have a I have a little bit of a soft spot for Adam Frazier. I, I like his swing. I like the fact that he's made himself versatile and made himself a player that can uh, not only stick on a major league roster, but at times, you know, he, he can be a good little hitter. I just, I, I like that about him. Uh, I like his, like I said, his compact swing, but. Um, well, him coming along totally made up for them. Just giving away Brock Holt back in the day. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe that. Ugh. Yeah. I mean, ex- as far as extensions go, it, I mean, I hesitate to get too deep into the weeds on on what it takes to prove something to a fan base. But extensions like this aren't going to convince anybody that ownership is going to spend money. Yeah. These are just realizing that your crown molding's falling off and putting a couple nails in it to make sure it stays up. That's what these types of extensions would be. These are just maintaining the house, making sure that everything's okay along the way, maybe buying yourself a couple years before you have to make a decision at a certain place, not necessarily thinking they're the future or part of the future by making that, that signing, but something like that to kind of just step along the path a little bit smoother if you will where there's a need for what you're talking about beyond that i'm not sure there's a need for any other long-term extensions or even midterm extensions you know what i mean yeah i don't i don't know i think like uh 
if you really think Hayes is a generational talent, that's the only one, you know, and, and, you know, maybe, uh, maybe Reynolds falls into that category too. Those are the tough ones to do though. I mean, that's, that's more of a money thing for the team long-term. Can I save? Those are the tough ones to do, but those are also the ones that you, you can honestly say if they did them, somebody might believe they were trying that didn't before. Mm. You know, anybody else, I think most people are going to kind of see through it. Yeah. But those two, yeah. Now, James, I also wanted to circle back on Chad Cole. I like Cole for a couple reasons. One, I think if he doesn't make it as a starter, his stuff plays in the back end of the pen because he can ramp it up. So I do like him as an extension option only because he doesn't have to be a fifth starter. He could be a really good reliever too. And I, I think that might be might make him worth the money. You know, no matter what, he was he was the only one I put numbers beside. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it would take four years, twenty million, I would sign him right now. And I mean, he's going to fit somewhere on the roster. I mean, yeah, like you said, either a fifth, fourth, fifth starter, or or in the bullpen. I think that's five year, five million a year. I mean, on a good team, that's. I mean, that's good. Yeah, right. Everybody needs that. Plus, you know, if he outperforms it. Man, he's really valuable, isn't he? We win. Yeah. Either way. So. Well, hey, guys, that was awesome talk. I can't believe an hour has flown by already talking baseball on opening day. So <laughs> um, it's going to be an interesting season. I mean, there's so many directions they could go. And can't wait to keep chatting about it with people just like you guys. So don't forget to follow us, like us, or whatever the kids are doing. In fact, all the shows here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Radio, follow us on social media or comment in the asylum. Conversation doesn't have to stop just because the show does. So one more call out all around. You guys can tell people how to get a hold of you if you like or if you don't. James, we'll start with you. Uh, well, I mean, it's pretty easy to get a hold of me on any of the Pirates fan groups on Facebook because I'm always commenting on there. Uh, I don't even know my Twitter <laughs> right off the top of my head, but <laughs> I'm on there every once in a while, but uh, on Facebook, definitely. All right. Doug? Yeah, same here. I'm a Facebook guy, so uh, Pittsburgh Pirates Spring Training Insider Group is the one that I administer, so uh, that's where I see James post once in a while. And Jim? Yeah, I mean, I'm a Twitter guy through and through, so um, <laughs> if uh, you want As long to... as they don't start charging us for it, right? Th- that's right. That's right, because <laughs> I guarantee you nobody wants to hear my takes uh in charge of fee, I, I can barely give takes out for free. So uh, no, it's uh, at Jim Stam twenty two, and uh, or for the city underscore four one two. Big Pittsburgh guy, love talking Pirates, Penguins, Steelers, Pitt Panthers. So um, yeah, if you're looking for someone to follow, I'd be glad to talk to you. All right, and you know me, I'm Gary Gary Mo two zero zero seven on Twitter, or just. Gary Morgan Jr. on Facebook. Talk to you guys later. Let's go, Bucks.